The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud. And you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, coming up, but it is our addiction night. Uh, we are going to be talking about the initial reaction to discovering that your partner is a sex addict. What do you do about it? Uh, what are the steps to be taken when you have that, uh, when you when you get that disclosure? Uh, and we'll talk about the recovery process as well when David Essel, best-selling author, joins me after 10.15. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. You can email me anytime, by the way, to laurie at drlaurie.com. And throughout the show as well, just tune in towards the end of the show where I'll answer any remaining questions that need to be answered uh, tonight. Any advice how to get over a three-year relationship after... A breakup. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people have been through breakups and and similar things to you. Uh, But, uh, you know, three years is a long time to be with someone, obviously. So uh, there is a heartbreak and you need to be patient, patient with yourself, compassionate with yourself. It's a healing process. The process means you can't rush it. Uh, different people have different times, like how long it takes them to, to heal through that. You need to mourn. Like this is a loss. So loss means there's a mourning process, but there are things you can actively do to help yourself. And the very first thing is to forgive yourself because, uh, oftentimes in after post breakup, there's all kinds of ruminations, right? Like, what mistakes did I make? I should have done this. I should have done that. Or uh, you blame yourself uh, for for having the relationship. And you have to forgive yourself simply for being human and, and for the role that you played as well in the breakup. It's usually not a, just a one-person thing, but there's uh, two people have a role from that. And um, you have to forgive yourself from the mistakes that you made and learn from those mistakes. We can learn. Often people say, I need closure, but you're not going to get closure necessarily from the ex-partner. The closure comes from within you, from the process of you uh, letting it go. And if you look at this as a lesson, as something that you can learn from, uh, it's a whole lot easier. Part of that mourning process is also mourning the future. All those expectations you had, uh, the uh, you know, everything you envisioned together, of course. You also have to get used to a whole new normal without the uh, ex being, being there. So the process of being alone, etc. So there's that. And the third thing you can do actively is just get out there. Like don't isolate yourself. I mean, take a time. Obviously, you can take a span of time to uh, to heal a little bit and then get out there. Don't isolate yourself. Like get social, get out there, move on with your life. Like choose to move on. If you just sit around waiting for the pain to just go away, that may not be enough and it may take a whole lot longer. So remember that it's okay to mourn. It's okay to uh, give yourself some time to grieve But keep in mind that the greatest relationship you'll have is still ahead of you, not behind you. So keep looking forward and that will help. 
I want to back up to a question I had uh, yesterday, and the person wrote about having a gag reflex uh, in terms of uh, with the act of oral sex and uh, deep throating. And I forgot to mention one thing because I said practice. Somebody else, I had said practice with a, a finger first to, to try to control your gag reflex. Obviously, you don't want to make yourself throw up. That's not the point. But then graduate to uh, sex toys like uh, in different different lengths. So you can get dildos in ver- in various sizes and then you can practice with that. So I'd forgotten to mention that the next step was to use toys and then uh, and then the real thing. Uh, I am Indian and in our religion they don't remove foreskin uh, at birth. Not that I believe in religions to that extent, but I do have a problem. My foreskin retracts when my penis is not erect, but when it's erect, I can't retract because it's very, very painful when I try to. I uh, also tried to retract first, then getting an erection, and it hurts so much that I can't even get it up at all. Please help. So what this sounds like to me is a condition called phimosis, which is uh, basically the inability to retract the foreskin, which can cause pain with erection. This is a a common condition where the skin kind of fuses to uh, the shaft of the penis or the head of the penis. And it could be treated by special creams. That's one thing, like you would try that first. But it the more drastic measure is an adult circumcision. Only a doctor who examines you, a medical doctor who examines you, will be able to tell you uh, what you need. So there's a there's urology websites that you can actually go to to see the process of that. And if you want to look up to see pictures of what phimosis looks like, it's spelled P-H-I. M-O-S-I-S, you might be able to see and recognize uh, your condition there. So uh, talking to a doctor is an absolute must. I've been having this erection issue for quite some time now. Everything is going smoothly and fine with the foreplay and oral, but when intercourse comes along, I simply lose it. It's not my first time having sex, and it never happened before. Uh, friends have said it's because of my diet that it lacks vitamins, which I don't know how to fix or what to eat to fix it. Uh, and some say it's because I need more cardio exercise. Can you recommend any types of foods or vegetables or fruits that can help? I feel really shy about this. So I don't think personally from what you've told me that there's a physical cause to this erectile uh, dysfunction because you get a, you get erections with other activities. So clearly you don't have an, a, a problem with um, blood flow. So it's not about your diet or exercising, but uh, staying in good physical health, health does help you, help with erections over the course of uh, your life. Some men experience better erections with certain types of activities like oral or manual stimulation, and that's simply because they feel more with these methods. They they feel more of the pressure that they need. Uh, And the sensation of a penis in a vagina versus a penis in a mouth, for example, is not the same. And maybe the mouth is providing better friction in this case. So... If that's the case, you may you you might want to experiment with different pos- positions that uh, will provide better friction for you, 
Or you can ask your partner to do uh, Kegel exercises when you are inside of her. So tightening the vaginal muscle, but be careful that she doesn't tighten it when you're on the out part and then you're going in with a tight vagina and you're doing this rigorously, you could actually uh, break, so, so to speak, your, your penis. So you have to be kind of careful with this. But you need to talk about this, right? Uh, and maybe the issue lies somewhere else, somewhere else in your mind. Is it possible that you're nervous about intercourse? Are you nervous about... Uh, potential pregnancy. Like these kinds of preoccupations can cause a guy to lose his erection. So all kinds of things that go on in the head. So if it's something that's persisting, that you, you notice that this is happening every single time, then you might want to talk to a professional, uh, a sex therapist or a professional in this field, so that they can do a thorough evaluation of the situation and help you decide what's the best, uh, best course of action. Uh, coming up, we will talk about addictions uh, w- with uh, David Essel, who is a best-selling author. And we're going to talk about th- the very first thing is you find out that your partner is an addict, a sex addict. What comes next? We strip away the stigmas every night with passion on CJAD 800. Tonight we're talking about addictions. Once a month we focus on addictions, sex addiction, any addiction really because it has an impact on relationships. And as you know, this is a show about love, sex, and relationships. Joining me tonight is uh, one of our regulars, David Essel. He is a best-selling author, wrote the book Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. He's a counselor, a master life coach, and he joins us. David, always a pleasure to have you on the program with us. Dr. Lori, great to be back. I love your energy. I've missed it. (laughs) (laughs) I miss being with you here. All right. So let's talk, let's start with you just found out that your partner has an addiction to sex or they've just admitted it or you've discovered stuff and they say, I think I have an addiction. What next? Uh, well, the very first thing is is that I don't know too many people, Dr. Lori, that actually recover from addictions on their own. Okay. So the number one thing we do is we sit down and we say, let's, let's create a, a game plan, honey. Let's sit down and look at who do we need to go to, who do we need to hire, do we need a treatment facility, do we need a counselor, with, like what is it that we need? So we start with really open communication that you're not going to heal it with a book, you're not going to heal it with a weekend seminar, you're not going to heal it with one or two sessions. It's serious. Any type of an addiction is really serious. And what you said a second ago is the absolute truth. I don't care if it's a food addiction, sex addiction, alcohol. There is no relationship in the world that is sound, healthy, happy when one or both people have addictions. So in the world of sex addiction, very first thing is, what's our plan? And if the person that's struggling with addiction comes back with some kind of, you know, pushback, like, well, you know, I don't really think it's that bad. You just caught me on a bad day. I normally don't, you know, have sex with other people or I normally am not on porn every day or whatever the addiction is. We say, well, that's nice that you think it's not a big deal, but it is to me. And so what's our plan? Right. And we can do it mutually, Dr. Lori. You know, we could say, hey, listen, I'm going to research some local therapists, counselors, coaches that work in the world of sex addiction. Um, I'm going to do and you do the same thing. And let's get back together tomorrow or Saturday and let's sit down and see what we come up with. Right. But 
without reaching out to someone else, the odds of healing are almost zero. And I think that's really important for the person who's sticking around, right? Because that's, you know, that's all considering the person doesn't kick you out and says, I want to help because. Well, right, right, right. And yeah, when we're talking about a couple that, you know, has committed to each other, we're talking about a, a couple, they don't have to be married uh, or they could be. But we're talking about a couple that has really made this major commitment, and then all of a sudden we find out that, hey, there's something here we need to take care of. If the partner, now this is where I get very in your face, if the partner refuses, then what we tell the person who has not, does not have the addiction is that we say you can give them 90 days. Okay. You know, if you don't want me to help you and to help look for a facility, a person, a facilitator, I'm going to, you know, put it back to you, but you have 90 days to clear it up. And if you don't get into work with someone within the 90 days and start doing serious work, then I'm going to separate from you. And, you know, if they're married, I'm going to separate. Or if you're living together, you're going to move out until right. you get healed. Uh, and I think, uh, I think it's important to empower the, the, the non-addicted partner as well. Uh, but there's one thing, like, I don't know if you ever get people like this with, with partners where one believes it's a sex addiction, but actually they're just a, a, a guy behaving badly or a woman behaving badly. You know, it's not, it's, I, I, sometimes you have to kind of weed out, is it really a sex addiction or is this guy just, a, or a girl, a jerk? Yeah, and you know, we what we say, the definition that we use for all addiction, Lori, is that an addiction is a return to any substance, thought, behavior, or person that is unhealthy for us and the relationship. That's the definition of an addiction. So a sex addiction is a thought addiction, a behavioral addiction, and it could possibly also be a person or a relationship addiction. If that person is having sex with other individuals, then right. we, now we have three of the five major categories of an addiction definition that we use. They're working with all three, which is really big stuff. And, and before I forget, Lori, I want to mention this too. Whoever is the non-addict, they need professional help from a different angle. Right. The odds are they need to be educated about what sex addiction is. Mm -hmm. They need to be educated on what enabling is so that they don't enable the partner to continue on with the addiction. They need to be educated on codependency, what their role may have been. Have they put their head underneath the sand? Were there signs for the last six months or a year, but you didn't want to pay attention to them until it was blatantly in your face and right. you caught your partner in bed with someone, right? Right. Um, so, you know, we, we want the addict to get the correct help, but we also want, and, and if, they, if there's a family and everyone knows about it, then the whole family should be in with a different type of counselor doing the work to get educated, to set boundaries, to set consequences. And none of us in this world know how to do that without professional help. Right. David Essel is my guest. He's a best-selling author, counselor, master life coach. Uh, this texter writes, uh, David, what if it is due to compulsive or impulsive behavior due to a disorder? Well, well, first of all, all addictions are compulsive. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it know, is already so a compulsive disorder. It already is one. And so the, here, here's the concern I have, and that's a great question for us to discuss. Here's the concern. If someone has OCD 
or some other type of compulsive disorder. This does not give them a green card to be an addict of any type, spending, sex, food, it right. doesn't matter, right? Because every addiction is a compulsive disorder right off the top. So great question, and everyone falls into it. Right, exactly. So we already know that it's it's a disorder. So, but but saying just simply saying, well, it's not my fault. I'm sick, is not the oh answer. My God, I'm so glad you said that, Lori. I get so tired out. Now we're I'm going to switch to the world of of, of alcohol for a okay. second. I get so tired when people say, well, it's not your fault. It's a disease. It's not your fault. You know, you have the the genetic. Uh, predisposition for it it's not and all that's nonsense hmm. you know like like and in all the years that we've worked in sex addiction i've never seen anything that says that it's a disease or it's genetically passed down i've never seen that that's right what, what we normally see with sex addicts is that they were abused as children um or some and, other form of trauma it doesn't have to be exactly. yeah Exactly. It could be extreme emotional abuse. It could be extreme physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. Um, it could be that mom and or dad were not emotionally present. Right. And in that case, then the person is looking for instant gratification and validation. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at a, a small conference on um, rape, uh, <clears throat> incest, and, and sexual abuse. And there, were, there was a woman that was actually headlined the thing, and she's a victim of sexual abuse from her father. And we were saying, you know, like that she, it started with her, I think, when she was eight, and mom turned and looked the other way. Right. You know, so, so here's a woman, a young woman that, you know, comes from that, that background, that history, six to, I think, 15. And there is a good chance if she didn't get the help that she got, that she would go down the path of some addiction due to the PTSD from the sexual abuse when she was a child. Exactly. Well, we all we know, I think the research is clear that in close to 80%, if not more, of addicts, there's especially sex addicts, there is some form of trauma in, in their history. Uh, but it goes back to, say, to the, the saying, it's not my fault, it's a disease. Let's go back to that. What's a better statement? Um, you know what? It's a condition. And, and the reason I don't like the word disease is because it's not something that is created. It is something internal. Um, so, you know, we, didn't, we don't know how to handle the trauma we went through as a child. We don't know how to handle the abuse or the neglect or whatever it might be. So I look at it as a condition. I don't look at it as a disease. Okay. Cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy. That's a diseases. disease. Right. Right. Sex addiction, alcohol addiction, food addiction, choice. These are all choices. We don't know how to handle our impulsivity. We don't know how to handle the desire for instant gratification. And the other thing, remember, when we're talking about addictions, all addictions take us out of reality momentarily. Right. So if we don't know how to deal with stress, whether it's boredom, excitement, anger, frustration, shame, guilt, well, we will go to an addiction to get us out of these feelings for a short period of time. Yeah, very true. And in, and, and in sex addiction, Lori, as you know, I mean, there is the buildup. 
there if if it's if it's a, a flirtation with other people, there's the buildup, there's anticipation, there's the planning. I mean, all of this creates outrageous amounts of of adrenaline. Mm-hmm which gets us super excited. And then when we're actually in the act of sex, if it's sex addiction or masturbation, right after the orgasm, then there's a rush of dopamine. Right. And so we have this huge addictive physiological cycle that we have to work through with sex addiction, just like the emotional addiction part of it. Well, coming up, we'll talk about uh, healing from this or or how we begin, whether it's 12-step program or what needs to be covered or what is the most helpful. And we'll look at the statement as well. Once uh, an addict, always an addict. We'll answer that question. Uh, David Essel is my guest. He is the best-selling author of Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will. He's a counselor and a master life coach. He's a, a regular here on Passion. I'm always very excited to hear his dynamic uh, uh, presentation on on all things uh, related, especially to addiction. So we'll continue this. And if you have any thoughts, please send them along at 514-800. If you have questions for me, generally uh, sex-related questions, I will answer them towards the end of the show. So feel free to send them in. Right now, uh, we've got CJD 800 News. Following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Once an addict, always an addict. How true is this statement? Uh, joining me is David Essel. He is the best-selling author of several books. He's a counselor and master life coach. He can be found at talkdavid.com to find out more about uh, his programs and, and books, etc., David, how true is that statement? Lori, thank goodness I can tell you it's 100% false. Okay. There, there's no, you know, in, in 30 years of doing this work, there has never been an addict, sex addict, alcoholic, food addict, no matter how long and no matter how gravely deep they're in their addiction that we have not been able to help heal. Now, it's the choice of the person to do the work. Right. But millions of people before us, have walked through addiction, have come out the other side totally clean. And, you know, you had mentioned 12-step programs, and I think there's some benefit to 12-step, but one of my greatest concerns is that they will talk about topics like this in the rooms that are false. That's my greatest concern. Right. Um, you know, the, the benefit of walking into a Sex Addicts Anonymous meeting or a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meeting, the benefit is phenomenal to say that, you know, I need help, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable, I'm open, I'm honest, and I'm walking in here. I think that's the most powerful part of a 12-step program. Right. But unfortunately, they're still teaching things because, you know, the program has never been updated in 80 years, Lori. <laughs> so, you know, they, I mean, they, they're claiming that they have all these great success rates, but if you were to Google success rates of 12-step, it's 10%. Wow. That means they have a 90% failure rate. Um and, and we need to get these, this message out there. If they would update their program to, to this year uh, from 80 years ago, we, I would be loving all of our clients to go more often. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they're just not doing what they could because they're sticking with old programs. Let, let, let me give you a great addict, uh, sex addict sir, sir, person they healed with us. This was a woman, uh, very, very skilled, uh, high-paid professional in the medical field, that came to us a number of years ago. Her Actually, her story is on our website uh, underneath the, the, our addiction programs. But 
she had come in and she was a sex addict. Uh, how hers began was a little different, which is why I wanted to share the story. She was raised in an incredibly strict religious household where uh, women, where their body was totally covered. They were never naked. Oh, wow. um, they, the, she, as, as a teen, she couldn't date. Uh, even as a senior in high school, she could never date. Uh, really rigid, strict, you know, quite, I mean, ridiculous, in my opinion, in right. this world, in this age. If you want people to be to come out as normal adults, they have to have some kind of an understanding, in my professional opinion, right, um, of what it's like to be a human being. And so she was really shrouded in this in, incredibly intense shame and guilt around her body, sexuality, boys. So what happens? She goes to college at 19, and she goes off the chain, we say. Right. She had been a sex addict for 25 years before she came in and we started working together. And we went back to where it started. Like, she didn't even know where it started. Hmm. But as she told us her family history, it was quite apparent that she was had outrageous repression regarding sexuality, the human body. And what she would do, Dr. Lori, is that she would have phone sex in the morning or she would be on porn masturbating in the morning, and she was showing up late to work. Right. So even though she was in a very high administrative position, finally her boss above her said to her, you know, you've been an incredible employee for all these years. For the last six months, I'm looking at your records, and you're 15, 20, 30 minutes late every day. And it was because she couldn't leave the house without one more orgasm. Wow. That right. falls into our definition that the definition of an addiction right. is a return to any substance, thought, behavior, or relationship that is unhealthy for us. This David, was obviously negatively affecting her, her work. work. Right. Uh, David, yeah. I want to share a couple of text messages, if I may. Yeah. Uh, as a recovering all-dressed addict for seven years, I believe the statement isn't true. However, I'm not going to try to test that myself. <laughs> so that's a good point, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, and I'm so glad we're bringing this up. For every person who listens to your show that struggles, whether it's sex addiction or another one, we want them to have that, that knowledge and the hope that no matter how deep you think you're in it, you can heal. Yes, absolutely, and, and that's what we want to give people as well. This texter says, I used to just want attention and affection so badly that I would have sex with someone I didn't know. I have come a long way, and in brackets, maybe due to the help of your show. That pleases me. Uh, I now realize that it is just the attention that I crave, and so I avoid allowing people in my house or going to a guy's house if I'm unsure of his intention. The only way something could arise is when I'm under the influence and my guard comes down, but at least I do it when I'm aroused. So this is somebody who's actually, who has some insight into their behavior. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome insight. Now we should take that insight and work with a professional. Yeah. You know, exactly. when, when people are aware, like they're aware, oh my gosh, like look at what I did here or waking up again, feeling crappy from drinking or whatever it might be. That awareness is 10% of change. Yeah. So it's an important 10%, but it won't do anything. It's just like knowledge. You can read all the books on recovering from addiction, but until you get in and work with someone, 
that awareness or that knowledge isn't enough to help us heal, Lori. Right. And I find it, it's so, so gratifying. I mean, it's very, uh, you know, people who come to see us, of course, they're, they're in a lot of pain. Uh, mm-hmm. But when they debt, when they have the resolve to start working on this, they, uh, and, and they start looking deep inside and making the connections of where this came from or how it evolved, it's a transformative process. Oh, it's beautiful. And the fact that she admitted or he or whoever it was that they have gotten knowledge and inspiration and motivation from your show is crucial for other people listening too. And we always tell people when you find a show like Lori, stick with it. (laughs) If you listen, if you listen to a segment and you go, well, this doesn't relate to me, wait for the next segment. <laughs> somewhere, right? Somewhere there's always something to be learned. And I didn't even pay you for that one. <laughs> no, you didn't. I mean, the other ones you did, but I haven't had a chance to invoice you yet. <laughs> uh, David Essel is my guest. Always a joy having him on. Uh, he's a best-selling author. Positive thinking will never change your life, which I love. We once did a whole segment on, on that because the whole positive thinking movement, which you like uh, – pick apart but anyhow we'll do that another day um if you want to talk to david talk david.com if you want to get in touch with him you know what's interesting when you go back in history when we start talking about sex addiction the celebrities that have come out and we and we wonder like did these celebrities come out and say they were sex addicts because they were caught cheating or did they really have a problem of course the first one i remember was uh david duchovny right Oh, he's the big one. You know, I, I think of all the, the, the stars, um, the, you know, he's the actor from the X-Files. Yeah. Uh, of all the stars that I've seen that have admitted, and, and, and let's be honest, the most difficult addiction in the world to admit is a sex addiction to me. I, I'm not saying it's the most difficult one to overcome. I think they're all equally difficult depending on the depth you're in the addiction. But to come into the public and say, I am a sex addict the way David Duchovny did, blew my mind. Yeah. And I I think it's awesome. Um, I think a lot of times, Lori, it comes, they they admit it in public because either someone is going to release a tape or they're going to release a text or they're going to somehow out them. And and a lot of celebrities will beat that to the punch if they can. but I don't know too many that come out just out of their goodwill. Most of them come out because they're in pain, their partner's going to leave them, or someone's going to out them. Yeah. That's normally the way celebrities come out with an yeah. addiction. Usually they've been caught. Uh, yeah. David Essel is my guest. Coming up, uh, we'll talk about are there any positive sides to addictions? David will answer that question. But From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJAD 800. Talking about sex addiction, we uh, we address this topic once a month on the show. David Essel is here. He is a best-selling author, counselor, master life coach. At TalkDavid.com is his website. Are there positive sides of addictions, David? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you there's positive sides to admitting you have an addiction. There's, yes. You know, okay. like like if, if I look at what's the cause of all addictions, it's the inability to deal with life's emotions. Right. Um, 
And if we dig a little deeper underneath that, when we look at things like peer pressure, et cetera, it's, uh, everyone who battles addiction has low self-confidence and low self-esteem. Right. Uh, people with high self-confidence and high self-esteem don't damage their bodies on a daily basis, don't take risks that they could really pay off, pay, pay for big time physically, mentally, emotionally. True. So, you know, people with high levels of self-esteem and self-confidence, if, if they go down the road of addiction, they will pull themselves out. The benefits of admitting, just like we talked before about walking into a room and admitting you have an issue, oh, my Lord, there is probably no greater way eventually to build your self-confidence and self-esteem than be by being honest and humble, Lori. Right. And so I think the breakthroughs with our ability, you know, I am a former raging alcoholic cocaine addict. Oh. Um, and years ago, I, I got healed doing this work. I was still an, an, an alcoholic and addict, and to walk into a room to raise my hand to hire counselors and to say, yes, I'm a counselor and I need your help, took so much humility. I'm sure. And, and that's the benefit. You know, so for people listening, if you struggle with your masturbation, if you struggle with sex with other people outside of your relationship, if you struggle and struggle, the benefits will come by admitting it and asking for help. Those are huge benefits. Right, and the help is uh, definitely out there. We have, uh, in Montreal, we have a, a great organization called uh, Chabad Lifeline, which is right next to the Jewish General Hospital. And they do groups, like you were talking earlier, that not just the addict needs help, but the family and the partners. And they take everybody uh, in charge. Like this way, they, they, they work the entire system. Uh, and it's a great community resource for us anyway, so which is and it's yeah. practically uh, free or just minimal cost. So it really, uh, there is definitely help, even though I have to say I've had uh, a lot of sex addicts that have come to me and uh, when I have recommended uh, therapy with 12-step, like a, a, a group situation, <laughs> oftentimes they balk, like they don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Well, you know, and, and I understand that for me to walk into one of those meetings years ago, Lori, it took all the strength in the world. It was scary. Yeah. I understand. It was anxiety producing. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that the, the the concern, again, going back to some of the meetings, like not all, but the 12 step meetings in particular. One of my concerns is, is that, you know, you're saying you're saying, hi, I'm David. I'm a sex addict. Well, that's great if you're a sex addict, but if you're working hard and you're recovering, but every day you go to a meeting, you say, hi, I'm David, I'm a sex addict, what are we telling ourselves? Right, right. You... right like, like, see, that, then that's the teaching from 80 years ago that doesn't make sense to me and I don't like it. There right. are other benefits of going to 12-step meetings, but also, like you mentioned, Lori, there's other types of meetings, there's other types of therapy, there's other types of counseling and not every program works for everyone. So yeah, give it point. a shot. Don't give up. Keep looking until you find the right place for you to heal. So can you give, uh, just before you leave, uh, David, a, f a few uh, pointers for preventing relapse? Oh, okay. Well, number one is that you've got to have an accountability partner. And that could be your counselor. It could be someone from a church group that you're in, in, involved with, with sex addiction and sex healing. You've got to have an accountability partner. Relapse happens when you keep trying to do things on your own. So, number one, you have to have a partner, uh, a professional. 
Number two is that there's got to be a daily program to redirect your brain from the world of addiction to the world of, quote, normalcy. What does that mean? It might mean that you get up in the morning and you might spend 10 minutes in meditation, following an audio program. You might spend 10 minutes journaling. You might spend 15 minutes in prayer or reading stories of people that have overcome sex addiction. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think there's got to be, Lori, a seven-day-a-week program to prevent relapse. If, If we just had those two things, a professional accountability partner that we meet with at least once a week, and we have a daily seven-day-a-week program that's all about relapse prevention, we can stay clean for the rest of our life. Well, on that note, and on that very positive note, thank you very much for joining us once again. David Essel, uh, talkdavid.com. He's now gotten into romantic writing, right? You, you, your first attempt at, uh, at fiction? Oh, my gosh, Lori, we have a brand new book. It just went (laughs) number one bestseller yesterday. Yay! Uh, And it's called Angel on a Surfboard, and you can find information on it at the website talkdavid.com. It's a mystical, erotic romance novel, Lori. (laughs) I love your mind, David. I love your mind. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for being here. We'll speak again soon. Oh, I hope so. All I right. miss you and have a great night. Thank you. You too. Uh, talkdavid.com. All right. Let me get to some leftover questions here. Uh, you still have a few minutes if you want to get them in at 514-800. Uh, so earlier in the program, uh, somebody had called in about or texted in about uh, healing from a breakup. And I talked about um, the, um, uh, what am I looking, what word am I looking for? Well, the healing process. Yes. But closure. Yes. Yes, closure. So uh, somebody wrote in, I do agree that closure as well healing ultimately derives from within. However, considering it takes two to tango, so so to speak, your ex-partner equally must assume some responsibility on their part as well, thereby not leaving the situation so open-ended that you end up suffering more than the necessary required amount, hence contributing some closure on their part as well. That's well and good if you have an ex-partner that takes on that responsibility. You may not have that opportunity. You may be completely uh, ghosted or person doesn't want to talk to you anymore. They don't take responsibility and you're stuck with it. You're stuck with it. And so no matter how much you want that closure, because you want the impact from the other person, you may not get it. So that was the point I was trying to make is that you may not get it, which means that you're going to have to learn to let it go and, and get it from within. Uh, text writes, uh, I know two brothers, one is very thin and one is a bodybuilder. So this is in response to another letter I wrote, uh, I, I got about, um, uh, like vet fruits and vegetables and things that or vitamins that you can take for stamina or uh, better erections. Uh, so two brothers, one very thin, one a bodybuilder. I've had sex with both and the thin one has a hard time finishing and the muscular one has no problem finishing. I think there could be a correlation between strength training or iron levels and stamina. I don't know about the iron levels, uh, but uh, certainly... Uh, being in good shape 
helps all around. So being in good health and good physical health, the bodybuilder probably has more testosterone flowing through their veins simply because of the strength training. So that does help. Another uh, texture writes in, I love women, but I also love penises. Does that mean I'm gay? Well, it doesn't mean you're straight, uh, but to take it to all the way gay, I would say that if you uh, are attracted to women and you're attracted to men, then you, uh, you would be considered bisexual. But again, in terms of the degree, no clue, like how, you know, how much, who do you fall in love with? Is it just a sexual attraction you have to men and you're just interested in the penis part or the actual man? Uh, because that would make it uh, a bit different. In one way, it could, you could be fetishizing something. So it could be like um, uh, liking to be uh, with uh, she-males, but then you're just fetishizing uh, the penis part, but you're not really attracted to men. So I, it's not clear for me. You say you're attracted to him, but I'm not sure you're attracted to men, just to their penises. So completely different. Uh, do I have time for another question? David, I have time. All right. Uh, we are in my girlfriend's house and we wanted to have sex. Everything went well until I put on my condom and I got limp. I felt really bad. What can I do about this? So that's, I think that's a common occurrence. First of all, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, sometimes during the time it takes to get the condom, unwrap the condom, put on the condom, you lose your concentration right? You lose the, the sensation. So what you need to do is to find the methods that reduce this, like make sure you have the condom that's ready to go right next to you. Ask your partner to continue to stimulate you as you put on the condom or ask your partner to put on the condom for you. So that's an option, right? Thank you for uh, so much for uh, listening to us tonight and then spending your precious time with me. Don't forget, you can send in your questions anytime during the week. Lori at drlori.com. Thanks so much to Dave Simon, our technical producer. Uh, you can find me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up next here on CJD, you've got the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. There